Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? This week, I am going with the collective Buffalo Bills. Man, <laughs> they sank fantasy teams everywhere. Except for Stefan Diggs and, and Dawson Knox. They were fine. But, I mean, Josh Allen had 16.2 fantasy points. Singletary was next with a whopping 5.8. Cole Beasley next with 4.3. Then Emmanuel Sanders with a 4.1. Zach Moss with 0.5 fantasy points, or half PPR for all this. And then Tyler Bass had one point, and the freaking defense with a negative four. I guess it depends on your league, but it's negative four, negative two. They are the worst defense uh, of the week before Monday Night Football, but I doubt they're going to catch up to that. So, you know, and the worst part of all of it is that they let the Patriots move up to third in the AFC, and no one outside of England wants that. So the Bills are my freaking festivus of week 11. I'm here. Let's complain about how bad the Bills did. I lost at least one league off the Bills defense. I, I'm going to be honest. Off the Bills defense Same. lost me at least one league. All right. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. And with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, better than the Bills after, you know, also... Uh, losing and on top of the fact that jen is now mad them catching the ire of one jen akins but i'm doing okay can't complain too much i mean enjoying the chaos that is week 11 and actually excited about uh what we're going to get here or at least what the slate might look like uh for thanksgiving because we got that a couple of days away so no i'm doing all right how are you doing jen i'm good I i'm doing well i'm excited for this week i love thanksgiving thanksgiving is my favorite holiday uh, food wise, football wise, family wise. It's just, it, it's, yeah, it, it's my favorite holiday of the year. So I'm excited for this week. We get uh, week 12, which is, you know, we say this every week, like it's crazy that we're already a week 12. And then part of me is like, oh my God, we're only a week 12, but no, I'm excited. Uh, as usual, it's always crazy from week to week this season. And, um, that brings us to our surprises, you know, from last week, Chris, lead us off. What do we got for our surprises? Uh, so one of the surprises, and I think you just kind of touched on it in your Fantasy Festivus, is Josh Allen. And I guess I got to ask the question, and I mean, I'm sure the Bills Mafia is going to wind up in my mentions, but I mean, is Josh <laughs> Allen like more of a better fantasy quarterback than a real-life quarterback at this point? I mean, they've had these kind of slow starts over the past three or four weeks, and while Josh Allen has might have been able to get there in the box score, and Stefan Diggs, like you mentioned, we haven't seen too much production from Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, the running game, I mean, we can't even really rely on any of those guys, whether it's Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Matt Breda getting involved, Isaiah McKenzie from time to time as well. So, I mean, outside of Josh Allen, who's been fine from a fantasy perspective, nobody who has watched the Bills game can say that that Bills offense is what we thought it was at the end of the 2020 season. So, I mean, I think some of it has come down to, I mean, their passing rate. I mean, just because you are a pass-heavy team, and of course we like that for fantasy, doesn't mean that it's going to wind up working out every single time that you chuck the ball down the field. Last season, uh, the passing rate or the uh, their efficiency on first downs was one of the keys to their success. I mean, Josh Allen was sixth in the league in EPA per play on first downs. Their passing rate over expectation was top three in the league. And so if you're capable of continuing to move the ball regardless of having an inefficient running game, like they were in 2020, then of course. But now Josh Allen is running less. He's now actually 12th in EPA per play on first downs alone, despite the fact that they're still continuing to have this pass-heavy offense. 
So I think part of that has been uh, fueled some of that volatility from a week to week basis. So while again, Josh Allen, great in fantasy, I have some questions about the Bills and their, I guess, possibility of them having a deep playoff run. So Jen, where do you sit at with Josh, uh, Josh Allen and the Bills outside of your fantasy festivus? <laughs> Yeah, each week it's interesting. You know, they have been up and down all season, and, and every time they they're in a downward you know week, I'm always like, okay, it was just that week, but they they continue to keep piling up. So you wonder, you know, are they what we thought they were, or you know, I mean, but I will say this: they have had some injuries, uh, you know, to their to their team. I mean, I mean, everybody has. So I think that um. I think we can kind of. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this, but what I'm trying to say is that. I think they're still good. I just don't know if, if they're as good as we thought they were. And I think Josh Allen, you know, has some growing pains. I mean, he's, you know, he, he kind of came into the league and then he had this crazy season last year. And then this year it's kind of like, okay, maybe he's leveling out a bit. Um, I think he's still good. I don't, I don't know if he's better fantasy than real life. I think he's still good, though, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that I might be – I'm probably – I guess adding fuel to the negativity that's probably out there. So please, Bills Mafia, don't come for me too hard. I mean, but Brandon, kicking it over to you, let's look at their upcoming schedule. They've got, they're playing against the Saints on Thursday. So then they've also got New England, they've got Tampa Bay, they've got Carolina, then they've got New England again in week 16. So, I mean, two, at least two bad matchups like coming up in the future especially during the fantasy playoffs i mean are you still just going to continue to roll it out roll them out there almost like with the patch mahomes thing they'll figure it out i mean most good players most good offenses they tend to do that is that how you're approaching josh allen moving forward yeah yeah i'm still starting him in there i mean it is concerning those last four games had like six touchdowns five picks like that's not good and uh has had some stinkers against teams like jacksonville that's a uh, very concerning but like jen said he's still kind of developing it's possible maybe he he peaked last year at a time where maybe he was still learning still developing and maybe got some like undue expectations uh as a result of that so you know we expect everything from him right now uh I think he's still really good uh, fantasy wise. Obviously he's still, uh, you know, a, a QB one every week, an automatic starter. I don't care if he's playing the Patriots. I don't care what team he's playing. Stefan Diggs, same thing. I'm still going to start him, even though he's been a little disappointing. Uh, but that rest of that offense. Yeah. I, the rest of that offense, I'm probably looking at as a, a matchup based. I'm looking at Emmanuel Sanders or Gabriel Davis or, you know, the, the running backs there, whatever the case may be, it's going to be a matchup based thing, but I, I'm not too worried about Josh Allen. He's still really good. He's still putting up good numbers and across the board, we're seeing inconsistencies at the quarterback position anyway. So I don't know where you'd look elsewhere uh, to try to get an every week starter if you're not looking at Josh Allen. No, and I think you you bring up a good point. I mean, Josh Allen's still a good fantasy player. I mean, if it's not with the with the passing acumen, but he's also averaging between 30 and 35 yards per game, like on the ground. So at least still, that's a part of his game. Haven't, hasn't had a rushing touchdown since week eight, but at least you know he has that in his bag. But you bring up a good point. I mean, unless you're really confident in what, continue to roll out Taylor Heineke? on a weekly basis when he can pop up for a good game or any of those streamers that could might be I mean, Joe Flacco just had a good game. Are we feeling confident about starting him? So it's like, I think you're right. Like what are your other options at the quarterback position? And really for most folks, I mean, they're not going to have any of the other like top 12 or even top 16 options at their disposal. So I think that makes sense. 
I mean, moving even, on to even trying to trade, you know, uh, yeah. you, you target Justin Herbert, who also was up and down or target yeah. Tom Brady, who's had some stinkers like though Dak Prescott, who just uh, single handedly destroyed fantasy seasons this weekend. So, right. Yeah. Just hard, hard to know where to look if you're looking for like true consistency this year at quarterback. Exactly. And actually, speaking of Justin Herbert, let's go ahead and talk about one of his pass catchers who actually just exploded uh, just last night against the Steelers. And that was one Austin Eckler. And now I think part of my, I guess, hesitancy to claim him in the top five uh, like in terms of running backs is that, I mean, the Chargers for them saying that they want to continue to use Eckler in a similar role, but the their draft picks at least kind of uh, signaled otherwise. I mean, they drafted Larry Roundtree. They kept Joshua Kelly. I mean, they still had Justin Jackson on the roster. I mean, not guys that you would assume are going to like essentially challenge him for that workload, but at the very least, it looked like they wanted to have some sort of committee or at least some sort of like, you know, RB2-ish behind Austin Eckler. But after last night, I mean, I honestly can't say that that's the case. I mean, he has, I mean, he wound up having, what, over 70% of the running back touches last night, still being involved in the passing game. He's averaged over six targets per game over the past month, actually over the past like five games, and now having four touchdowns trying to catch up with Jonathan Taylor's big day yesterday. I mean, how can we not consider him a top five back, like moving forward, almost like looking at him in the same class as guys like Alvin Kamara? I mean, any of the guys that we would look at as top five, top six picks for the 2022 season. So, I mean, Jen, I mean, where do you kind of where do you see Austin Eckler being drafted next season? I mean, are, or would you be willing to draft him like at the top end of like the first round? Or are you thinking like, well, I mean, you know, maybe the offense can take a step back or whatever, but are are you as excited about the Chargers offense as they might be, at least it looks like they are, about Austin Eckler? Yes and no. I think that Austin Eckler, I mean, this year he was kind of slept on a little bit, but he was a, you know, depending on the, on the format and whatnot, he was an end of first, early second rounder. So I feel like, you know, I don't know if, if for me he's going to quite make that jump to, you know, the beginning of the draft where you get, you know, five running backs, you know, boom, 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 boom. I don't know if he really reaches there. Um, but I think I kind of see him in a, really is a similar spot next year where he's kind of a, a late first rounder to early second rounder, depending on, on format and what's going on. I mean, we all know that, you know, during draft season, you want to look at, if you don't get one of those, you know, first four or five backs, you want to look at a pass catching back at, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to spend a first round draft pick on him or an early second and Austin Eckler fits that bill. And I feel like this year people were kind of, you know, they, they were a little hesitant um, for whatever reason. I know he had some injuries in the past and last year, what, you know, he only played 10 games, I believe, but um, I think if he continues the, on the path that he is right now, for some people, he may crack, you know, crack into that top five, but I feel like for me, he's still going to be a late first round or early second rounder. I mean, so Brandon, for you, I think one of the things that some detractors might say is that, I mean, while that's all fine and dandy, looking at both his rushing production and his receiving production, this is going to work in PPR leagues. But is he really going to be able to capture that same sort of, I guess, fantasy production if you play in a half point PPR league or if you're still in the Stone Age playing in a standard (laughs) league? I mean, would he still be the type of would would he still be the same archetype of back? looking at his opportunity that you would draft in any one of those leagues, or are you really just saying that, all right, if you play in PPR, go ahead and grab Austin Eckler? I mean, is that really how you're looking at it? 
I love that we've started saying just like non PPR formats instead of standard. Like I, that's usually what I hear nowadays. Uh, shout out to all my standard brethren. All right, I, I've still got my standard leagues. You're in a standard got... league for real. I'm in probably three standard what? leagues. What? Yeah, oh my including gosh. my oldest one that I still do by hand. So no. uh, you know, I'm just saying. Shout out to my standard brethren. Uh, <laughs> the thing with Eckler, I can't wait for tj hernandez's touchdown regression article next year uh for running backs i want to know if austin eckler's on that list because that's going to be the determining factor for me is can he keep scoring at this clip now obviously he had three touchdowns this past weekend we don't expect three touchdowns a week but he's already set a career high for touchdowns he's got 13 this year previous high is 11 the year before that is six so can Austin Eckler continue to score at this pace? And uh, if so, then yeah, top five, definitely any format. Because he gets into that Christian McCaffrey territory, right? If he's scoring every game, then you want him there and he's going to be there. And who else are you looking at? You know, Jonathan Taylor is is working on cementing his status as the 1.01. Uh, we'll probably see DeAndre Swift pretty high up. But uh, outside of that, you know, you're going to be looking at guys who catch passes. Uh, McCaffrey, of course, as well. Uh, guys who catch passes, guys who are on offenses that we trust. And I think Eckler is going to be in that situation. So I'm real bullish on Eckler if he can keep scoring at this rate. If this evens out over the end of the season, I'm going to be a little more concerned. But 13 touchdowns, 10 games, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, because that sounds like, what was it, Aaron Jones was essentially doing the same thing last season, yeah. and that was during Aaron Rodgers' like MVP campaign. He, st he started off at a similar clip this year, but then we saw injuries, Aaron Rodgers' regression, so on and so forth, kind of kneecap. I mean, Aaron Jones, like, repeating that. But, yeah, I, the point's taken. I mean, if you look at his rushing totals, like, over the past, even, like, last, like, you know, over the season, I mean, one game over 100 yards rushing. Oh, like, other than that, he's mostly, like, sat in that 50, 60, 70 yards per game, and it has been mostly that receiving, uh, receiving production to buoy his fantasy value. So I think it does kind of come down to what type of format that you play in that might make him a bit easier, at least his draft cost, like, for next season, a bit more palatable. So, I'd like, point well taken, because we'll see what, like you said, Jonathan Taylor is probably going to be well up there in, like, in the conversation for top back in the league along with Christian McCaffrey Alvin Kamara we'll see what Derrick Henry looks like coming back mm -hmm. next season assuming that's a thing as well so it's like there are other options but I think that at least looking at his production so far through this season Justin Herbert coming along as well I think he should be at the very least in the in the conversation for one of the best backs in the league from a fantasy perspective uh, the last guy that I want to talk about uh, is Brandon Ayuk out of San Francisco I mean now we've got three three straight games with 90% of the snaps his target share has ramped up each week finally found uh, he found the found the paint again this week as well so I mean Jen uh, I don't know. I'm not as bullish on trying to attach myself to an offense that's led by Jimmy Garoppolo, but that just that might be because of my bias for wanting to see Trey Lance a bit more. That's what like a whole offseason prior. But the offense is efficient. The offense has been rolling, especially this past week in Jacksonville. I mean, are you starting to buy into this Brandon Ayuk, like at least wide receiver two? I mean, Debo Samuel is obviously the wide receiver one, but would you feel comfortable starting him in a league after seeing what he's done over the past few weeks? 
I would feel comfortable in n- not necessarily in a wide receiver two fantasy wise. I know you were saying wide receiver two San Francisco wise, but I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm comfortable in, in a wide receiver three slash flex section. I mean, the thing with Brandon Ayuk, he kind of has a little bit of that, a little bit of that uh, Christian Kirk all star situation going on. He's an every other week guy right now, <laughs> right? He's got week eight he was single digits, week nine he was double, week ten he was single, you know. So he's alternating weeks and double digits. And, I mean, you know, he only saw four targets last week. He had seven this week. So it's one of those things I kind of need to see a little more before I'm fully buying into the to the Brandon Ayuk outbreak or breakout <laughs> outbreak. Um, but I think that, you know, it's one of those things that, listen, we're, we're at a point now where there's a lot of injuries. We still have bye weeks. So, yeah, I mean, if you have him on your team, sure, you know, throw him in that wide receiver three flex spot. But uh, I don't think he's moved quite up to, you know, every week starter no matter what territory, at least not for me. No, and I think that makes sense because as we've seen some other players start to fall off that we were relying on early in the season, just like we were talking about earlier with the Bills offense. So if you're rostering Cole Beasley, Manny Sanders, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really rely on them. But now we're starting to see Brandon Ayuk start to tick up. I mean, Brandon, for you, I mean, if you kind of came into one of those situations where you're having to debate between an Ayuk, maybe a Chase Claypool with him being back, Manny Sanders, I mean, would at least, would Ayuk start to at least be a part of that conversation? Whereas early in the season, he'd at, least, at the very, at best be on our benches or at worst like on the waiver wire. But at least does Ayuk start to figure into that flex type of position for you? First off, world-class first name for Brandon Ayuk. World-class first name. <laughs> Got to appreciate that. Got to enjoy that. Have you seen his schedule coming up? They have one I, of the best schedules, if I'm remembering I, correctly. I, I tell you what, Vikings, Seahawks, Bengals, Falcons. I, ooh, I Yeah, if I'm looking at him versus Chase Claypool, he's got the first name benefit. Uh, no offense to the Chases of the world. First name benefit. <laughs> Uh, he's been playing pretty good lately. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing pretty good lately. That 49ers offense is humming. I'm kind of buying Brandon Ayuk as being back as that fringe wide receiver two option. I, I, I would be comfortable doing that with this schedule. If the schedule wasn't as good, I'd be like, I'd be with Jen. I'd want to see a little more, make sure those targets keep coming. But I mean, that Vikings game could be a shootout. That's going to be fun. Yeah, and I think you make a you make a strong point there because really we're relying not just on Brandon Ayuk and seeing his opportunity continue, but we're also relying on Jimmy Garoppolo to get him the ball. And if he's under pressure or if he's like continually getting frustrated by either the opposing front uh, front offenses, I mean, rather uh, the front defensive lines for the player the, the teams that he's going against, then sure that can make things much tougher. We can see that passing offense even as little volume as it has been in terms of pass rate over expectation become even more condensed to just Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and we can see Brandon Ayuk be left out in the cold. But if he's given the time of day in order to find any of his pass catchers, Ayuk has now started to get more involved. And like you mentioned, with that schedule moving forward, oh yeah, I would want to be able to buy in as much as I possibly can uh, to the San Francisco offense. I mean, it's what we were looking at when we were drafting some of our best ball teams like over the offseason is looking at what that playoff schedule is going to look like for them. And so even though Trey Lance isn't going to be under center, we can at least rely on some of the pass catching assets in order to see if we can get some like capture some of that value. So yeah, hundred percent with that. And I think that could wind up working out like really well for them. But actually speaking of best ball, I mean, one of the platforms that we wound up playing quite a bit on underdog fantasy, I know they've got plenty of stuff going on right now. Can you tell them like what the, what's in store for some of the fantasy managers out there? 
Absolutely, listeners. Let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way, sp way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy, their brand-new Pick'em game. Just pick over and under on your favorite or your least favorite player's stats, and you could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 444.com slash underdog, claim your free 444 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play for this weekend. All right, let's do buy or sell segment. Uh, I, I want to talk about the Titans offense. I kind of said last week that I wanted to talk about the offense. We, we talked about Deontay Foreman. Uh, it turns out Jeremy McNichols is hurt now. It turns out that uh, they all stink. They're all terrible. We hate everything. <laughs> uh, Nick Westbrook, Ikeen, had seven of eight targets, 107 yards. That's kind of interesting. A.J. Brown has been bad, and now he's hurt. Julio Jones is gone. Uh, Chris, Tell me about this Titans offense. What what should we take from it, uh, looking at how much they've struggled recently, and are any of these pieces worth buying into right now? I don't know about buying into, but I think it's like fairly simplistic. I mean, if you take away the centerpiece of the offense and Derrick Henry, you also lose like A.J. Brown because he immediately came out of the game, I think it was on the very first drive or his first catch with a with a hand injury, and that persisted throughout the rest of the game. So if you take – and like Julio Jones, like you mentioned, is already on IR. So if you take away – all of the top, you know, the top pass catcher, the top, like, you know, offensive pieces to an offense, then, yeah, I mean, this is what you're going to be left with. I don't care who you are. Tom Brady could be passing to Nick Westbrook, Akine, and Marcus Johnson, who, like, who wound up actually going out, or any of the other pass catchers associated with Tennessee. And this is probably what you're going to wind up with. So I'm not buying into it. I mean, and even looking at their like upcoming schedule, there's really nothing on the schedule that winds up like, you know, once like makes us want to uh, buy into that offense moving forward. And actually they wind up playing if I'm remembering correctly. They've got the Patriots this upcoming weekend. So nothing on the schedule that makes me confident things are going to change for the better. I mean, at best, we might be able to look at closer to like the playoff time frame where people start to get healthy. We might have a couple of matchups there that we might want to play for, for right now hands off from any of the Titans because even their running back backfield is in a complete rotation. So I can't trust anybody there. Yeah. It, it seems like it's just a mess. And now they got a little, a little uh, Dontrell Hilliard sitting there. Like he's kind of, yeah. in there. Uh, it's crazy. I don't even know what's happening there. Um, Jen, uh, is Ryan Tannehill terrible? I, I wanted to ask it. Is he just terrible? I kind of feel like he's always been terrible, but he kind of, somehow tricked us uh last year i don't know i don't think he's terrible but i'm just not really sure what's happening there super frustrating i will say back to aj brown for a second uh as someone who has aj brown on several rosters it was pretty fun to watch the uh, the updates come in it was like okay healthy to questionable questionable back to healthy healthy to question I mean, it was bizarre <laughs> like the entire game i kept getting these updates like, what is happening? Because I was just watching the Red Zone, so I didn't really know what was happening in that actual game. But um, as far as Ryan Tannehill, I don't know. It's tough to to know if he's technically terrible or not, but something's going on with that offense. It was a mess, and, uh, you know, I was they, they were close to being the Festivus. It was between them and the Bills. I was trying to decide which one to go with. <laughs> because once again, you know, back to, back to for me and kicker-wise, Randy Bullock absolutely killed me because he was my number one streamer recommendation for the week. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got a big fat zero. He actually had negative one at one point and then uh, worked his way back up to zero. Yeah, between him and Youngway Koo, like, like, just like bitterly disappointing kicker performances this weekend. It was wild. Okay, let's talk. Uh, 
let's talk. I want to talk about Darnell Mooney a little bit because he had a great game against the Ravens, had double digit PPR points in four of the last five games. He looked good with Andy Dalton. Uh, probably see Andy Dalton this uh, on Thanksgiving, but we'll see. Uh, had, seems to also have a nice rapport with Justin Fields. Uh, Chris, Darnell Mooney, are, are is it time to have him kind of like Brandon Ayuk as somebody that you're regularly considering in that wide receiver two range? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the snaps and the targets have definitely been there. Uh, and if I remember correctly, before uh, before the Monday night game kicked off, it was confirmed that Justin Fields will most likely be out. At the very least, they'll probably be considered doubtful for this game. Andy Dalton will start like on Thanksgiving, so that'll be that'll be a wonderful like you know holiday treat for everybody. Uh, but no, even his report with Justin Fields and like even with like Darnell Mooney, like seeing him used as not just a intermediate runner, but we've seen a lot of the deep shots go towards Darnell Mooney. He'd already overtaken Allen Robinson in terms of target share in that passing offense. So yeah, at the very least, like while we're not uh, like super excited to roster anybody from Chicago, maybe outside of like uh, David Montgomery. That's about as much as like between him and Darnell Mooney. That's as deep as I'm willing to go into that offense at this point. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Jen, feel free to mention Mooney, but I also want to ask you, since you're my fellow Chris Carson love uh, (sighs) partner and he's uh, out for the season, we're seeing Alex Collins in there. We're seeing DJ Dallas. Tell me a little bit about how you're approaching the Seattle Seahawks running back situation. You know, I actually, so I, yes, bummer about Chris Carson, pour, pour a few out for him. I'm pretty bummed about that. But, uh, you know, Alex Collins is not getting it done at all. Uh, I, I actually wrote up DJ Dallas in both my, my stash article for the week and my Yahoo wildcard of the week. I feel like he at least made something happen last week. And uh, I think that they may go to him more. Listen, we all know that Seattle will, will establish the run as long as they can establish the run in any way, shape, or form. And I feel like Alex Collins, he's been super mediocre. I mean, he's had six, six chances as lead back, and, and every one he's at like 35 yards, 41 yards. You know, they're all around in, in the 35 to 41 range, and he's just not really making anything happen. So I feel like, you know, with, with Seattle's pension to, to completely – you know, want to establish the run at all times that I feel like they're going to go to the next man up. And I feel like DJ Dallas, you know, might give him that shot. So I feel like he's someone that if you're desperate at running back, he's probably on your waiver wire and uh, he might be a good dart throw this week and, and moving forward because uh, you know, as long as he continues to do something, I feel like he'll get out there. And Alex Collins just hasn't been, been doing it enough to, to warrant that lead back role anymore. In fact, this past week, they gave it to Rashad Penny. He was technically the starter and then shockingly got hurt uh, right in the beginning of the game. Like he always tends to do. So yeah, poor, uh, poor yeah, Rashad I'm, Penny. I wish he could. I wish he could stay on the field. Poor I know. Guy. And he actually, yeah. And he was technically the starter this week and didn't make it. Uh, so, you know, DJ Dallas, there's also Travis Homer. I mean, if you're going, you know, deep, deep, deep league, but I think DJ Dallas might be worth a shot uh, moving forward. Just, you know, because Seattle likes to run. Yeah, had a couple of targets, too. I'll be watching that very closely. Let's talk about another running back situation. Uh, Chris, Michael Carter uh, was coming along. I'm so sad he's hurt. He's going to miss a few games. Uh, That Jets running back situation looks like a mess without him. We just unmerked over there, and now there's Uh. Merck again, Chris. What should we make of the Merck in New York? So at the very least, like the silver lining for Ty Johnson is that he had been used both as a runner and also as a pass catcher. even over the past like few weeks, he was, I mean, just like not necessarily right behind 
uh, Michael Carter, but he had like 55 routes run like to Michael Carter's like 83, but he was playing on it like over like, like less than half of the snaps. So if you look at like how he was used like in the passing game, along with his rushing production as well, I mean, on limited carries, like even coming out of college, like he was more of a speedster. I mean, he does have like 4-4 speed, like 4-4-5 like speed. So I think between that being used as both a rusher and a pass catcher, I mean, they could actually use like some of his help like there uh, with Jamison Crowder not being used as much, Elijah Moore coming on. I mean, who else outside of those two are we really counting on on a weekly basis? Corey Davis has been okay, but like they do need as much of a diverse passing tree as possible out there in New York. So whether it's Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, whomever under center, at the very least, like Ty Johnson provides enough uh, talent, like from being a rusher and a pass catcher to at least be a serviceable, I don't want to say like top 24 back, but at least the opportunity at least puts him in that discussion as an RB2 possible flex if you're dealing with injuries. Yeah, that makes sense a lot. I'll be watching it very closely. It's going to be interesting to see what the Jets do down the stretch as they deal with injuries and Zach Wilson's return and things of that sort. Uh, Jen, I want to talk about your favorite uh, rookie receiver, Rondale Moore. Uh, is he developing <laughs> into a PPR demon? He had 11 targets, uh, only 51 yards, but 11 targets against Seattle. Is that super, super fluky or is this uh, a way that they can get the ball in his hands some more? I'm going to go with fluky only because I. I drafted Rondale Moore in like five of five home leagues, and I have since dropped Rondale Moore in five of five home leagues. Not even in the same week. Like throughout the season, <laughs> I've, I've dropped him here and there because I've had to. Listen, that offense, as we said earlier, it's, it's difficult to trust any of those guys because I feel like one week it's one guy, one week it's the next between Rondale Moore, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, and then you got DeAndre Hopkins coming back. So I feel like that negates all this. And, uh, I mean, Rondale Moore, sure, in PPR formats, sure. Get, you know, you can get mildly excited about him, but uh, I don't think that kind of production is going to continue moving forward. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I see Miami's kind of doing that with Jalen Waddle, which has made him an interesting PPR option, mm -hmm. which is nice. But uh, I was, it, it seemed like they were doing similar stuff with him with Colt McCoy. But yeah, Kyler Murray's going to come back. DeAndre Hopkins is going to come back. Probably going to change uh, the whole landscape. Thought his 11 targets were worth noting, though. Mm -hmm. Chris, one more. I got one more. Kendrick Bourne, quietly wide receiver 31 on the season. He's had at least four targets in five straight games. He leads the team with 562 receiving yards. Those aren't big numbers, but in the doldrums of the season where we're looking at injury replacements, is Kendrick born a viable wide receiver three slash flex play i would i don't know about viable but i would say that if you're pushed into it just based off of like the injuries on your particular roster i mean it's not the worst decision but looking at new england's passing game but they're in the bottom half of the league in terms of pass rate over expectation uh born like he's been running like more intermediate routes about a 9.5 average depth of target so it kind of fits into what mac jones has been doing but if we're looking at Kendrick Bourne, who is third in just in the wide receivers in terms of uh, routes run. Hunter Henry is getting involved. Johnny Smith is now back. Ramondre Stevenson is involved in the passing game. So if this is already a fairly, like the pie is already fairly small in New England as of right now anyway, in terms of passing volume, and we've really started to look at, at the very least, Aguilar and Jacoby Myers, so happy to see him finally get his touchdown, but also Hunter Henry on a weekly basis, the running backs as well. So it's just like he falls down the pecking order in terms of guys that we would are already looking to rely on from a weekly basis in terms of the production from Mac Jones. So I would say that 
yeah, if you want to try and see if you can catch lightning in a bottle for a, just one week because of injuries or whatever, okay, fine. I mean, especially what like this week when they're playing against uh, playing against Tennessee, it's entirely possible they can wind up having that sort of a game. So for this week, sure. But I think moving forward and looking at some of the matchups that New England has, they got Buffalo in week 13, Buffalo again in week 16, because we talked about that, those matchups for Josh Allen. It might be a little bit tougher to rely on a guy like Kendrick Bourne, but for, for a single week, it might be possible. Excellent, excellent. All right. Uh, those are all my buy sells. Let's do our looking ahead segment. Uh, you mentioned the Patriots playing against the Titans. Uh, my looking ahead this week is fade all those Titans fade them all against this tough Patriots defense. They've been, uh, the Patriots defense shut down Atlanta last week. They've been really good. Uh, the Titans offensive line has been really bad. I'm imagining Ryan Tannehill gets sacked a lot again, and, uh, we don't see very much production from those Titans offenses, uh, offensive weapons. So fade all those guys. Uh, Jen, what do you have for, uh, looking ahead? I've got I've got a little tight end uh, streamer for this week for you guys. Nice. Uh, how about one Austin Hooper, the the least sexiest tight end out there, but <laughs> um, <laughs> he really is. But I will say this. <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, the Browns tight or the Browns are basically a triage unit at wide receiver, right? You got Jarvis Landry with a knee issue, Donovan Peoples Jones with a groin, Anthony Schwartz is recovering from a concussion. There's really nobody else to catch the ball there. You got Hooper. He's going to swoop in in week 12 against the Ravens defense that is allowing the fifth most half PPR points to opposing tight ends. So, and you got Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz are both on a bye. So go for uh, go for Hooper. He may, he may actually do something for you. I love it. I love it. And also look, uh, look out for next year. Jen's calendar, least sexiest tight ends, <laughs> right? It's all, it's all Jared cook and Austin Hooper. And th- there's the least sexiest tight ends on there. Uh, Chris, uh, what's your looking ahead? So, I mean, for this upcoming week, I know that everybody's going to be focused on all of the the Thursday games, uh, but for what's coming for us, like on Sunday, I'm actually looking at Tyrod Taylor as a possible streamer. Didn't really do too much from a passing perspective this past week, just over 100 passing yards, but he also got in those two rushing scores. And let's look at who they're playing this week. I mean, they're playing against the Jets. Tua, for as much as some folks are, I would say, not out on Tua, but have question marks surrounding Tua and his stint with the Dolphins so far. He was able to get it done both as a passer, a little bit of rushing, but more as a passer. As of right now, I mean, the Jets, they are 24th in our schedule adjusted fantasy points metric allowed to uh, opposing quarterbacks. I mean, they've allowed at least uh, three or four uh, QB one weeks so far. So we've seen the production for opposing quarterbacks going up against the Jets. I think the process kind of tells us we can at least rely on Tyrod Taylor just for this week, given the Jets secondary being so poor and also Tyrod having that hashtag Konami code. So I think Tyrod Taylor is a fine play for this week. Excellent. Go stream you some Austin Hooper and Tarod Taylor. Thank you so much, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.